0: Welcome. Welcome.
1: Welcome to the Think Orange podcast.
0: A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley
2: Bohentz. How's it going everybody? My name is Dave. I am your host for the Think Orange podcast and today we have decorated the Think Orange podcast with all sorts of Halloween paraphernalia because it is the eve of Halloween and what better co-host to have in the room today than the very frightening, the scary, the horrific... Kevin Jennings.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, guys, no, happy to be here with you, buddy.
2: I, I only say that uh, you are frightening because it's frightening how smart and intelligent you are
1: whatever hey you know what <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here anyway because uh these are my people and i i, I love them and i believe in what they're doing so let's make it go
2: i didn't really recognize you when you walked in because you had that vampire makeup on and and that that's a whole big get up there what is that? There's, is that some sort of it's zombie a, uh, it's pirate actually a, a, va- vampire
1: it's a vampirina costumes so i don't know if you watch disney uh my <laughs> daughter's really into this new uh, cartoon called vampirina where there is a young girl from transylvania who moves to pennsylvania Oh. Uh, and her parents open up a scare and be, uh, a, a scare a scare and b they call it uh, <laughs> and, and so a scare no scare a scare b and b so a scare b and b and so my darling little vampirina I know all the songs Let me sing one I can sing it I could I play actually
2: yes go I want to what is the theme song
1: well it's a uh, vampirina you know that, wow I, that was I, I can like can that. way like,
2: up was, there very was high it, was, it, was it angelic yeah that was hang they, on but but his they, the they have, the have another
1: song called mummy's rap oh
2: I want to hear that they have, one they have
1: another one called uh, oh um. Uh, ghouls, uh, what is it? Discover your ghoul. Let me let me let me look it up I, think Cause, it's I cause, by, 'cause I I've one this really I think it's good.
2: ghouls, ghouls, ghouls by Motley Crue. <laughs> See
1: that's because they do on the show. They kinda of take something like that and they do that. That's, like, that's, <laughs> they that's, do
2: that's, not.
1: That's, that's the genius side oh of the show. Oh my
2: gosh. He can sing. He can sing high. You know, there was yeah. one time. Well, I
1: was actually no mine.
2: There mine. was one. Time, <laughs> there was one time when we had your dad, our producer K Daddy, who's sitting, who produces this show for us now. He actually sang harmony in a song with Ashley. Did you? Li- Were you aware of that? You you know, actually I was. The song was uh, Killing Me Softly. Well, yes. Do you know the song? I do. Okay, so here's what I would love to try. Because I think you have a much more angelic voice than Ashley. Ashley, I don't really mean that, but he's sitting here opposite me. I can't not say that. I would love to see if your dad is willing to come in and just have the two of you. The I would love to have our audience serenaded this Halloween. What better Halloween gift than the Jennings boys singing a little bit of uh, the Fugees? Killing Me Softly. All right, can we do this? Actually, Flack. Oh, old school. Old school. Your dad is proud. I can see you right now. (laughs) He's so proud. He's so proud. So how about it? Come on. Let's go. Let's do
1: this. I don't, I don't. You know what? No, I'm not gonna do that, Dave. But <laughs> but, no! but, but, but but I love what he did there, and I'm sure, that, I'm, sure I'm sure all the listeners appreciate that as well. I already saying Vampirina from Disney uh. and, I mean, as a 33 year old male with a two and a half year old daughter.
2: <laughs> but I, That I would mean, have been such a treat. And now, all right, and
1: that was for you sweetheart.
2: Well, I'm so disappointed to hear you say that because I thought we're gonna be doing something unique. And why I thought, you, why don't you sing? No, you know what? I just thought you were gonna be brave. But hey. Whatever. You know what? Instead, If you're not going to be brave, what we're going to do today is I'm going to have Danielle Strickland talk to us about how to be brave. Because this is something you need to hear today, Kevin. I, need this, it. I believe that the Lord wants you to hear this. And maybe by the end of the show, the two of you will sing the song after you hear how brave... Danielle Strickland is.
1: Well, I'm glad you said that because anyone who's familiar with Orange Conference, you have had a chance recently in the past couple of years to hear this amazing woman Mm. communicate her story and the mission of her great organization, Brave Global. Mm. Danielle Strickland is based in Toronto, Canada. Her aggressive compassion has served people firsthand in countries all over the world From establishing justice departments for the Salvation Army to launching her global anti-trafficking initiatives, she's the person who's creating new movements to mobilize people towards transformational living. And she's a great author. Yes, she is a great speaker. Yes, she is. Um, and, and, I, and honestly, I mean, when, you, when you're when you in her presence, it's very clear that there's something special about her and what, what she's doing. And so we're really excited to share our interview uh, with her with you today.
2: Yeah, you know, I actually conducted this interview with a very good friend of mine, Dan Scott, who works here at Orange as well. And I remember sitting across the table from her and literally just introducing her and then she just started on some of the most insightful, wise, profound, profound, passionate um, ideas and thoughts that Dan and I for much of the interview sat there with our jaw on the, on the table because of the words that were coming out of this uh, incredible woman. I know that you're going to get a whole lot out of hearing some of her story, definitely from hearing some of her passion as well. She is a, an absolutely incredible woman.
1: And the best part is this, if you go to Orange Tour, mm. you have a chance to see her. Really, I know better than the podcast see her in person wow. so though the though the tour is coming close to an end and we the end of October we have three more dates well actually four more dates left on the calendar because we're actually going right now to Virginia Beach Virginia so we have <laughs> Orlando, Florida, Milledgeville Georgia, and Charlotte North Carolina left on the calendar for early November. We would love to have you there mm-hmm. and why do we want them to go there Dave? Well, we want them
2: to go there because Orange Tour is basically we we wrap up the Orange Conference from here in Atlanta, put it into a truck and send it around the US. And so you get access to some of the greatest minds, greatest thinkers, some great people like Daniel Strickland and Reggie Joyner and a whole bunch of others will come into your town and help lead you and your family ministry and student ministry staff through some great ideas and great suggestions to help you go further, faster. And it's not just the tour. Did you know there's more than just the tour? I did. The night before, there's a thing called Lead Small. What's that
1: about? Well, Lead Small Night's all about a short, condensed training that both inspires and equips your small group leaders. So if you've been looking for a way to kind of cast vision and reignite the passion within your small group leaders, you don't want to miss Lead Small Night. And it's crazy affordable.
2: Yeah. And, and...
1: And we also have one other thing
2: going on on Orange True as well. It's called Parent Q Live. This is a great opportunity for you as a church leader to bring the key parents from your church into an environment where they can get all sorts of... I don't even know what they're getting.
1: Well, I think what they're going to get. <laughs> I don't
2: want to say that. Well, you can bring the the key parents from your church into a environment where they're going to get a whole lot of stuff.
1: I mean, they're going to... First of all, for every parent, we understand that they're busy, but... We're doing all that we're doing to support their children. And so the opportunity to say, hey, let's bring the parents in. Let's help them understand this vision for the church to come Mm. alongside them as they influence their children. And let them know that we are in their corner. We are, I mean, everyone who knows anything about Orange, which obviously you do because you're listening to this podcast, you understand that we will only have about 40 hours this entire year to work with the kids Mm. where parents have three thousand hours Mm. your work you already know this because you can't get little johnny to sit down when you're trying to talk your influence is limited we want to make sure that we engage the parents and let them know that we want to be a part of this story support them in their mission of leading their children to be successful healthy people who know jesus and love jesus christ so with that being said parent q live is the way if you've been looking for a way to get your parents on board, this is the event for you.
2: So, from ParentQ Live to Lead Small Night to the Orange Tour it is all wrapped up into one spectacular event! so make sure you go to orangetour.org to get your tickets for these last remaining events orangetour.org do not miss this opportunity to participate in this incredible event hey we're not going to waste any more of your time we're going to get straight into Daniel Strickland and as I said earlier she really just puts her foot down on the gas from the moment we turn the microphones on I know that you're going to enjoy this check it out Hey, it's so great to be back here in the Think Orange bunker with my good friend, Dan Scott. Dan, how are you? I'm doing so great. Uh, Yes, you are. You're looking fantastic today, I might say. This is like your fifth time in the bunker, right? Yeah, I I don't
3: do this very often. This is a new gig for me, but I absolutely
2: love being on this side. And it's a new gig because you are not being interviewed. You're helping me interview the one and only Danielle Strickland. Yes. (laughs) How are you, Danielle?
0: I'm awesome. This is a great bunker.
2: This is this is, this the, is the best looking bunker I've bunker ever, I've been, ever in. been in. In yeah. fact, this is an upgrade from... We're on the Orange Conference. at. We're at the Orange Conference right now. So our bunker has been improved with some down lighting and some mirrors and some couches. Nice. And it's absolutely incredible. Now, Danielle, we're not here to talk about the bunker. We're here to talk about Brave. Woo. Um, and uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about this. This is a new book that you've got coming out.
0: It is a campaign it is a non-profit,
2: yep.
3: braveglobal.org,
0: if you're interested in more and you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, I
3: it, think they all will be, yes. absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I've been fighting human trafficking for a lot, a lot of years, yeah. uh, like 23 years, and uh, it's been, you know, it's a slow work, and yeah. it's hard. Yeah, and there's not always a lot of good news in that work, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. it's a tough, heavy thing. And primarily, my job and my my work has been rescuing, you know, getting women who have been sexually exploited out of sexual exploitation, which is long and laborsome. And uh, the brave thing really started um, for me. I was in the back of a massage parlor, a brothel, visiting with this woman that runs it, and she had just done renovations. It was amazing, and and uh, and I was trying to compliment her on her renovations. Oh. Oh without word. complimenting yeah. the yeah. brothel yeah, it's tricky business yeah yeah absolutely yeah. This yeah. Am- sexual expectation looks so amazing yeah. here you know like <laughs> trying not to do that seriously yeah. yeah and I said to her you know you are obviously super gifted intelligent able bodied like you run a business like why do you do this with your life
4: yeah like when you oh, have so wow. many gifts
0: so it was a great question because, of course, it's like a compliment and a, rebu- you know, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. thanks, I think. And <laughs> so she took me in the back room, shut the door, and she started to tell me, you know, her story. And basically when she was 11 years old, she ran away from home because she'd been raped by her dad. And, and then she was walking up the very street we were on and a guy pulled over in a truck and said, hey, I have a safe place for you if you'll have sex with me tonight. And she said, I turned my first trick and I cried the whole night long. And then the next day I cried that night and the next day I cried that mm. night. And she said, finally, when I was done crying, I thought, you know, I better do something with the cards I've been dealt. And so, now I'm the owner and operator of three of these facilities. And But she looked at me with kind of tears in her eyes for the first time. She's a hard, hard, hard lady. And she was uh, eyes filled with tears. And she said to me, where were you when I was 11? Mm. And there are some times, you know, where I feel like God speaks powerfully you know and all of a sudden when she said where were you when i was 11 it was like the holy spirit just amplified the question for me and echoed it around so mm. i couldn't shake it but also i started re- remembering every other story i'd heard yeah. mm. and they all are virtually the same and when when i moved to america started doing trafficking anti-trafficking work here with the salvation army we came across a study that domestic sex trafficking victims 70 to 80% of them come from the foster care system. Hmm. And we realized like where were you when I was 11 is a real important question yeah. for the church. And so we also realized in this kind of stunning statistic that not only you know was it possible to help what but we know who they are and where they are yeah. like i mean so then we just had this thing uh, this like thought came to us if exploiters can target vulnerable girls for trafficking why can't the church target vulnerable girls for redemption mm. Mm. and so that's what we started doing
2: that's amazing.
0: And that's called the Brave Global Campaign. And basically, churches, so this is, I think, what's really exciting for me is I kind of have two loves. One is kind of freedom, and the, the gospel brings that inside and out, You know, yeah. this Absolutely. idea that salvation Absolutely. impacts the world and individuals at the same time. But also the mobilization of the church is my other passion, where I really just feel like we really, like when Jesus said, you know, you should go and set yeah. people free in my name, yeah. like he really meant it. Yeah. So that the mobilization of the church and the freedom... Of a generation of girls are deeply connected.
3: Yeah. So when you're looking at the church as like a community. Yes. How, what does that What does that start to look like for them?
0: Yeah. So what's really cool? So let's say a, a church is just like you know what we want to do like we want to do that. Yeah. So that's what we did is we piloted Brave at a couple different churches uh, a couple years ago where we asked churches to say would you try this out in your community? Okay. And then we kind of like we had to look at it we asked them what was Mm -hmm. good what was bad what we need to change we worked with Orange and the creative team here around how to make this accessible and usable with your youth uh, background and specialty and so then we formulated basically Brave Global so a church says I'm interested they contact braveglobal.org yep And they sign up to be a brave church and they're assigned a coach and the, the, they enter the first stage of being brave. And the first okay. stage of a church being brave is to choose to find out where the vulnerable girls are in their community. Oh, yeah. So this is really cool because one of the one of the first ways you participate in injustice in the world is you choose not to see it. Mm. So uh, stage one is to choose to see. And in uh, the stage one of Brave, one of the principal founding sort of pillars of Brave is we see you and you matter. Yes. Because people who suffer injustices, especially women who are oppressed and mm-hmm. oppressed kind of so en masse, like yeah. they are, like mm-hmm. girls are under attack in this culture. There's no question about it. Sexually exploited, all girls, let yes. alone vulnerable girls. Yes. All girls. So they're under attack, but what happens is we just sort of have this mentality like, well, if we don't talk about it or see it or, or like yeah, it's not then happening. it's not happening, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like we don't see them and they don't matter. That's why mm. the Me Too movement is so powerful because they're finding their people are finding their voices, women yeah. specifically. Mm. So one is we see you, you matter. And then two is this thing, this catalytic event we've created called Brave. And it's an event the church hosts. And some churches get together and host it together. It's oh, a, yeah. it's a one day or sometimes an evening. And we call it a catalytic event. And it's an inspirational empowerment event. So it's for girls and it's all around their empowerment. So how we believe that girls have intrinsically inside of them a sacredness and a strength mm. and a bravery so it's not yes. like we're gonna give you bravery you're already you already have brave. It. that's right yeah mm. yeah. You, you're already brave and so we're uncovering what society's put on top of you that wow. has covered up the fact that you're actually strong and brave so that yeah. you're not the problem you're the solution to the problem yeah so we have survivors come in from different areas and they tell their story of resilience and how they created resilience and then we have like usually a martial art artist come and teach self-defense
4: mm. wow yeah. Uh, this
0: was one of the most stunning things for me in one of the braves we did in LA at Mariner's Church and um, we had Kelly Kelly she's a, a martial art artist she's MMA fighter yeah. Yeah. beautiful girl with like skin knuckles like <laughs> yeah. uh, so she's she's telling her story and she's like um, she's telling her story for the first time of being sexually abused at 10
4: mm. Wow. and then
0: she shared how it took her 10 years to even speak of it which is fairly common takes yeah. a long time to actually speak And then she talked about how later on in her life, when she went to martial arts training and self defense, they taught her that your first line of self defense is not physical; Hmm. it's vocal. Yeah. That the first, so if you go to uh, martial arts training, the first thing they're going to teach you to do is yell for help, like make a noise. That's right. Like cause a commotion, like anything that you can do to be like make use your voice as your first line of defense. And when she said it, I remember just thinking like, "Whoa." That's a bit like that's a big deal just there just to teach girls that they're allowed to make some noise like yes. they're allowed to be heard and that actually their mm-hmm. voice is powerful so what she did was before she taught everybody how to break a rapist's elbow which mm. was super cool. Um, like I was just like I bet. I bet that was incredible. I've been looking for for a long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Know, like, <laughs> I want my daughters literally that's to yeah. sign up and go yes. right. immediately. So now you know
0: yes. how to break a rapist's elbow. So that's yeah. pretty good.
3: Yeah.
4: That's
0: a good start. But what she did was she taught all the girls phrases to mm. say. Like so repeat after me. So like there's like a thousand girls there. And like as loud as they could, they were like, you're making me feel uncomfortable. You're in my personal space. You're touching me inappropriately. And they're just like, yelling I'm, this. And they're like yelling this. these phrases, you know, then there's like 200 women volunteers and they're all bawling. They're coming to me mm. afterwards saying, if I had known what to say when mm. I was 11, yeah, like if I had known I could say it and yeah. that it was okay and yeah. what to say, what might not have happened in my life, you know, like, so just, I mean so many aspects of Brave, inspirational, it's exciting, it's practical, and it in the end end of the day it's about empowerment. And yeah. so these
3: are girls that attend the, the church. But yes. but does it is it like community, like yes. anyone like this, just get all the girls that we know yes. into this environment. Yes.
0: And after the first, the first stage of brave is identifying where the vulnerable girls are. Mm. So it's in partnership with the community. Yes. So most of the, Braves, so you're working with
3: defects or, yeah, or group homes, yeah. bring,
0: like the, the city for most of the case, the city workers are just like, are you kidding me? You want to help us? Cause it is,
3: it's bad news out
0: there. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of help. So they're like, we've thought, Ooh, this is going to be hard. And on the contrary, people have been like, okay, where do we bring them? And we're like, Oh, you're going to bring them. (laughs) And so they're busing them in the criminal justice, you know, group homes and stuff as well. I think in Mariners, the girl guides, you know the local girl guides had made a brave badge so they all got a brave badge for coming to brave and doing an assignment that was brave that's awesome yeah that's super cool that should go or what's is it called girl guides here i can't remember uh girl scouts girl scouts yeah Girl Scouts. i
4: think it's girl guides
2: in australia
0: ah yeah and canadian too so girl scouts yeah (laughs) uh and then the third stage of brave is hang on on. can you get back to the
2: second stage what was second
0: stage is we believe in you you can do Uh, it yeah uh, and that's all empowerment. Now, this this also, uh, we believe that the message of empowerment is the primary message of brave. Now, we also believe that churches, I mean, okay, think about this for a second. So I'm always coming from brave from the girl's angle. But when no. I was actually thinking about brave from a church angle, I was thinking about how amazing it would be in America if the church was known for empowering girls. Mm. Oh, amen. I mean, just think about that for a second. <laughs> Like it would shift something It, it would, would change oh, totally. people's Absolutely. mind About what the church is And what the church does and yes. like Because the church for too long for, We've been known
2: For the opposite of that Right So that
0: was, uh, so that was, I was like, wait a minute. This is a recipe for like some serious, like even just like good conversations with our community and how to be like relevant and helpful to the community. Now, Brave, it it isn't like a here's Jesus. It's not a salvation day. It's not a gospel. You know, it's, it's,
3: it's holistic gospel.
0: It sure is. You better believe it. Come on. Are you kidding? The sacredness of every human. That's, I mean, that's a gospel.
3: Absolutely. So,
0: yes, it's a gospel, but it's not like a you have to get saved today. Like, it's not a,
3: you have the image of God in. You. that's right there's no trick yes. it's,
0: it's not a bait and switch come get empowered but really what we want you to do is join the church what it is and this is the third stage of brave is we're with you mm. and you're welcome here so this is where the church's primary role as an inclusive community to actually teach people what Jesus is really like and how to live out the gospel that becomes a really gospel-centered moment for the church which is what the church's job is. Yeah. Brave is a catalyst to empower girls. So wow. Those are the three. Now the follow-up stage, once a month support groups in the church. There's I'm working on an app, we're just we're looking for some funding. But I have some tech-savvy guys who are pretty passionate about this, too. So they're working with me on an app that will keep girls connected in a peer support way. And then there's also a journal that was written by uh, Lisa Barnes, who's a Mm -hmm. rock star. And she survived 37 foster care homes. Not just survived. I mean, now she's thriving. And the journal begins with her writing a letter to herself at 12. Mm. Here's what I wished... Lisa at 12 would have known, mm. you know, and then the whole journal are things that have helped yeah. her to be empowered. Uh, and there'll be a journal every year for, wow. for, for five years. So it'd be sort of like a curriculum in the end.
2: That's fascinating. 30, so
3: yeah. 37 foster homes. Yeah. Her
0: mom is was that, sexually is, exploited. So she was in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, ah, like a lot.
3: Yeah. Now is, I mean, obviously then someone would run away from that. Right. Perpetually. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you can't, and I don't want to be too hard on the foster program here because it's not their fault. Foster parents are doing it. I'm like, no, no, no. But what happens is when you have a vulnerability that's exposed in a girl, like so usually there's parental issues, definitely father figure issues, mm-hmm. definitely a sense of being alone and unwanted and unseen and uncared for. Yeah. Uh, you have this like gaping kind of wound and mm. exploiters and traffickers specifically, like in on. some, in developing world, like in Moldova, my friend was telling me, they just line up outside the orphanage. And when girls are released from the orphanage at 16 years old, they offer them a job and they traffic them. I mean, it's literally like a factory. And in, in essence, that happens there physically, so we don't have that anymore because the orphanages are, but it, in essence, it's the same thing that happens here, yeah. is uh, people prey on, on their vulnerabilities.
2: So I've got two questions. Which you can answer in order, I guess, Uh, because I want to ask them both at the same time. Why hasn't the church done something like this before?
0: Yeah, I keep asking myself. Literally, (laughs) forget the church, me. Why haven't I done this before? Like, I walked into my first Brave, and Noemi Chavez, she's the co-founder of Brave, she runs this uh, inner city church called 7th Street Church, which is where Brave really was birthed. Yeah. And uh, I went to have a look, and it was birthed just out of a local response to this problem they were having trying to get girls, they were getting girls off the street, and the girls were saying all the same stories. So the mm. church just was like, wow, we got to fix, you know, and they host this local event, which I found out about and went to. And when I walked in, I literally heard the question in my mind being answered. You yeah. know, I'm, mm. this is where the church could be when yeah. I was 11 years old. Yeah. And so Noemi and I quickly became really good friends. And we decided that this was a recipe, a local recipe that would work every. Everywhere. Yeah, and uh, and then brave became brave global instead of just brave. But I that's what I felt like when the, my first brave uh, event, which wasn't even brave then, yeah. well, my first event. I was like, why haven't we been doing this for twenty five years? I mean, where have we been? Like, I feel like I walked into this room. And I've just been like, mm. I should have been in this room my whole life, you know, like how yeah. you're just, yeah. but I feel like maybe there's is a it something about, like of time. Like, yeah.
3: I mean, it, when you first said uh, right at the top, like I've been doing this for 20 yes. some years. Yes. I feel like at least in the States, this is like a five, seven year right. hot issue.
4: Right. Not
3: an epidemic. Yeah. We've, we haven't seen it like that. Yeah. And I think that right. first tenant of you have to, Open. You have to take yeah. off the mask.
4: Yes. Let's you have to it. look
3: it in the eye. Yes. And you have to see it because we say we're for outsiders. Yes. But sometimes it feels like we're for outsiders who are like us. Right.
2: Not who have the same story.
3: Yes. Not the actual outsiders who desperately need, need the belonging.
0: Or when it comes to trafficking, often our conversations rotate around pray and send money overseas. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, I'll, I, instead I, of get I, messy and I dirty. I recommend. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You should, yes. You should yes. do that. But you need also, funding, <laughs> yeah. Or though it's only in Cambodia, you know, that children sell their parents, and it's like people just need to hear a few few stories from mm. you know neighborhoods near you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where children are for sale. I mean, it's just that simple.
2: So the second part of the question is, what can churches do yes. now? Now, because I'm sure there, there are church leaders who are listening to this, going, yes. "We agree, we agree, we agree." Yeah. Probably as fired up as Dan and I are mm-hmm. as, and right now. Yeah. What can what can a church do? in order to take the step towards making this something that their church is known for?
0: Yeah, so go to braveglobal.org and sign up to Be a Brave Church. So get the information, read the website. Uh, when you sign up for the first stage of Brave, you enter the stage, which will be then to find out where the vulnerable girls are in your community. Yeah. There's a lot of churches who already know this, actually. And I've been pleasantly surprised at the way God's been highlighting vulnerable kids, foster care specifically in the church these mm-hmm. days. And I feel like, you know, it's kind of like human trafficking 10 years ago where it was everywhere. And I feel like whenever God is like, I, you know, he identifies himself as a God who hears the cry. Mm. which means that he's, and that's what he, pretty much in scripture, all he does is go to people saying like, can you hear that too? Or is it just me? Like, can you hear that? Like Moses, can you hear that? Like, that's the cry of my people, you know? So I feel like human trafficking is God who hears the cry, identifying the cry, saying to his people, like, can you hear that guys? There's this cry. And I feel like that, The cry of the foster care, the vulnerable, the orphan, even in America, it's kind of being amplified by the Lord. So that's a good thing. I feel like even just that idea. So if you're already, and Brave doesn't, the other thing that we're we're really trying to say is we're not suggesting we're a solution. We're just a way to have a conversation to get to a solution. So we're a beginning of a solution. And uh, there's lots of like lots of great strategies going on that we love and support, like safe families and adoption and fostering and all those things that we just love all that stuff. Yeah. But brave is a is a way to take your church with you. Yeah. On a journey towards a solution. Yeah. So a lot of times when it comes to these issues, you kind of invite people, you know, to go from zero to hundred. So we want you to hear about a vulnerable you know, sector and then become a foster parent, you know, and then maybe, maybe in a really hot church, maybe five couples are like, okay, we're going to do that, you know, but there's thousands of people that aren't going to do that. Yeah. And so I think for me, my question is yes to the five, and let's make it 10, and then let's make it 1,000 eventually. Yeah. But in the meantime, before we get to 100, could we start at one? Yeah. Yes. And then what would it look like to get to 10? And could yeah. we all get to 10 together? And then what would it look like to get to 20? Yeah. And then eventually we'll have like whole churches solving the crisis of vulnerable girls in the world.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I,
3: I'm literally speechless. Like I, I have so many things going in my head. So do I. I don't know how to process them.
0: So sign up, get started, start talking to people yeah. in your neighborhood. If you're a church that's large and you have like a fairly yeah. uh, good capacity, Absolutely. like a, dig, dig to the capacity, teach, uh, talk to your leadership yeah. team, share the podcast, yeah. say like, would we be a church that would identify as brave? Yeah. And you know, one of the things Holiday mm. Zimmerman's on our board and she, she really piloted it a lot for us at Mariners and, um, And from a large church perspective, you know, she said, what you did was, you know, what Brave has done for our church is invited our whole church to be brave. And by brave, I don't just mean feel good. I mean, like, we took a part of our budget. Like, I mean, we invested as yes, a church into this strategy. Absolutely. I mean, we took a risk and partnered yeah. with uh, community groups that we might not even, you know, fully yeah. agree with. Yeah. And we opened our church. And by, you know, by being brave, I mean, we trained our whole high school staff in vulnerable kids oh, sector. Absolutely. So everyone's now invited into the high school. You know, everyone's prepared. Yeah. And so she said the church had to be brave. And the Mm -hmm. first year there was a lot of like, uh, there's already budget cuts. Like, you know, the first thing to go is the things that, but she said, we, we chose to be brave. And, uh, and then it just was off the, like not, now I think you have to pay to volunteer there. It's so hot of a thing to do. Wow. It's so off the charts. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so I just want to be super practical on that stage one, choose to see. Yeah. What, what practical advice would you give a church when it, to take that first step towards seeing some of this problem?
4: Yeah,
0: so in the you would get a guide from us yep. that actually has step by step how to do this yep. including it comes with recommendations and even p- people who are endorsers that work on a city level mm-hmm. yep. and on a national level when it comes to foster care and uh, social services. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like you can trust Brave, like this campaign's great, you yeah. know, and they'll endorse it. That's so if, if you're worried, you know, and you need some friends to say no, these guys, you know, this isn't a rabid Christian program to try to like yeah. Yeah. uh this is this is actually a real empowerment program for girls and a good partnership Um, so we have that kind of in that stage one and Mm. sort of a guide on where vulnerable girls are and who to call and literally sometimes it's just it feels awkward because it feels so basic Yeah, but it 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 is like Google's not a bad place to start, yeah. and to just go and make some contacts. You know, you can find group homes. You call your social services and say, "This is your yeah. local church, and we want to support vulnerable girls." And we came across this campaign. Yeah, we'd love for you to have a look at it. And yeah. would you? Is there a way we could serve this in this community? Are you interested in partnering? And like instantly, yeah. you've just become a a part of the community. Yeah, and uh, potentially so part of the solution. Yeah.
2: The question I've got swirling around in my head. Is, is there anything like this for for guys who have been through a similar sort of upbringing, similar, similar sort of situations?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't know, but that is on our agenda. Yeah. Uh, mm. We'd like to—we feel uh, moved by God to put the girls first. I, and I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just yeah. in terms—especially in terms of the sex trafficking conversation, because 80 to 90 percent of the victims are girls. So— We feel like that comes first, but we actually, I believe the power of the gospel is a kind of empowerment that not only sets the oppressed free, but sets the oppressor free. And that's the kind of gospel we believe in. Mm. Now, we don't act like that all the time, but we do believe that. So, I want to set the oppressed free because I feel like that's where Jesus always begins. Yes. But I also want to set the oppressors free and the oppressed who become the oppressor. So, that's a cycle of violence and crime and Mm. kids that are groomed to be the oppressors who grow up to be the pimps or the gang members or whatever it is. So, uh, yes, we definitely want to get there. And as soon as this strategy works really well yeah. yeah uh we're gonna add a a guy's version I, awesome. I would
3: even love for my sons yeah to see women and girls Whew. as brave and strong and and i mean yes. that's what we teach in our home yes but i feel like culture doesn't always yeah promote that yeah that like we are equals and we are you're like yeah. yes
2: you know, I want your sons to learn that as a father of girls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I want your son. Absolutely. I want everybody's sons to learn that as well. Yeah,
0: my I have three boys, so yeah. I totally get it. And I bought my five year old who just turned six a Wonder Woman for Christmas. Yes. And uh he loves her. Like he yeah. loves like and so when it's like who do you want to be? Yeah, you know, Wonder Woman's in the list. Yeah. And it's funny because some of my, my older, my two older boys are kind of like, they feel a bit awkward. Yeah. So they'll be like, he's only five. So he doesn't know like he's a girl, like he's being a girl. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm always challenging them. Yeah. You know, like Wonder Woman is the kind of woman we can't even talk about. She's so good. You know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I feel like we, I feel like we dove like straight into the deep end. Like yeah. we didn't even dive. We literally yeah. fell off the diving board and splashed into the deep end. <laughs> And so people listening going, who is this woman? Uh, who's like, what is? How did you get into this? I want, I want to okay, go okay. back a little bit. I know you, you've yeah. got a Salvation Army uh, yes, background, yeah. uh, in in where I'm from, Melbourne. But yes. I'd love to hear a little bit about that for the people who are listening, wondering what your story is.
0: Sure. So uh, it, and we don't have heaps of time, so I'll just give you it short. But it is basically that I came out of the church. My parents were Salvation Army uh, ministers. And uh, both of them were rescued as orphans uh, when they were kids, actually. So there's probably like a deep, yes. resonant base note of rescue kids in my heritage. Yeah. And they were literally, the Salvation Army was door knocking in neighborhoods looking for poor kids that might want some hope and a family. Oh. And so they both found them in separate neighborhoods. They found each other. Then they decided to grow up and give it back because that's what redemption looks like, right? Yes. You pass it on. And uh, so we grew up, I grew up in a family that was really big on, like, redemption as a theme. Like, no Mm. one's too lost. No one's too left out. It's not too late. Like, anybody, because both my parents broke all the statistics and cycles. That said, what I didn't fully understand is the nature of God. So I was stuck in the understanding that God was rule-bound and authoritative and basically boring. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't really want to have anything to do with any of those things actually. So I, I basically just believed that rebellion was freedom. Yeah. And mm. I pursued it, you know, with all my heart. Mm. Yeah. And so my, my mom actually says, You're good at a lot of things, Danielle, but you were especially gifted at being bad.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so I kind of excelled in that area and then like because that's a lie, rebellion eventually, you know, almost killed me. And I ended up estranged from my family and drug addicted and in jail. And I always had this recurring theme in my life of not being able to escape the Salvation Army. Because
4: mm-hmm.
0: when you go to jail, if you have a connection with the Salvation Army, that's a good time to bring it up. Yeah, And they usually come. And if someone wears a super suit or yeah. a uniform yeah, yeah. to the jail, they get you out. Like yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, I play that card for many of my friends as well, but <laughs> So I would just kept playing that card until I was, finally I played it so much that it wasn't working anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so you can only steal money from people for so long, right, so many times, and cars, and whatever else I could get my hands on, so. And then in a jail cell, a Selfish Army lady came to see me still. I don't even know how she got in there, it's a holding cell, you're not even, you don't have visitors, you know, in a holding cell. But uh, she got in, and um, I remember she just, I remember thinking to myself, oh, brother, like, here comes a lecture. And yeah. she just came, wrapped her arms around me, hugged me. I didn't hug her back. I was straight as a board. I yelled out after her, you didn't even bring me a smoke. You know, I was completely hard-hearted and really dead and still high, to tell you the truth. Mm. And uh, after she left, the door closed, and then Jesus showed up. And I really don't know how to explain it except to say he did the same thing she did. He hugged me, whispered in my ear, I love you. Mm. And I don't know, I I don't even think I was really saved at that moment because I still thought I had to clean myself up to get good enough for God. You know, like I still was under that illusion that it had anything to do with me at all. But it was as though somebody turned on a light and I could see. And I remember I said said things I can't say on this podcast, but I remember (laughs) also saying like... (laughs) You know, I'm in jail. How'd this happen? Like, I literally, yeah. like, woke up to where I was. Wow. And uh, and then I I pursued, you know, I didn't change speeds. I just changed direction, I think is how mm. someone put it. Yeah. And I, I got out of jail miraculously, went to treatment center, went from a treatment center, got special permission from a probation officer to go on a mission trip to Africa, went on a mission trip to Africa, accidentally got somebody saved. It's a long story, but... Um, <laughs>
3: I wish we had time for it. It's a good story. But
0: when I accidentally got somebody saved, I realized that was the first time I realized that I knew God could save anybody because he saved me. But I didn't know God could use me to save anybody. And as soon as I realized that, that just changed everything for me. And that's when I just I literally just went from job to mission to job to mission. Like I just saved up to go on my next mission. And then I took a job with homeless young people in Toronto, uh, which is where I was. On the streets and yep. being crazy, ridiculous, and and then I just thought, you know, the fastest way to do this with my whole life is to become a Salvation Army officer, yeah, because I don't have to work in between missions. <laughs> yeah, it'll just all be one yeah. big mission. Yeah, and that's why I did. That's great. So that's how. That's really how I got here.
2: And and you spent time in Collingwood, Australia, right?
0: I did. Yeah, I, pl- I planted a, a church there.
2: That's fascinating. It's fascinating yeah. to me because I I was born in Carlton, okay, and grew up. In Collingwood. Yeah, great area. Salvation Army, I remember them coming to our house all the time because wow. we were one of those at risk families. We were wow. super, super poor. Wow. Um, a whole bunch. But like I remember the Salvation Army's just being such a helpful organization. Mm. And I wasn't sitting in jail, but I remember they would knock on the door with the super suit on. Yeah. And we knew everything was gonna be okay for a while. Wow. Mm. Yeah.
4: That's beautiful. Yeah,
2: fascinating. So I love
4: yeah, I
2: love hearing your story. <laughs> love hearing it. That's great. Awesome. Do you, have, do you have a book that's out at Orange right now?
0: Yeah. There's a couple. One's called The Ultimate Exodus. That's what we're talking about. That's
3: that's, that's yeah, and that's, then the
0: other one is Brave, okay. The Big Idea. So Brave, The Big Idea is not this idea of Brave. You can go to the website for that. Yeah. But Brave, The Big Idea is me writing a talk that I give at Brave.
4: Oh, yeah. So it's
0: me talking to the girls.
3: Wow. That's the big idea of Brave. That's awesome. So it's four young girls. I'm literally going to the store right
2: now. Yes, yeah. yeah, same. I didn't. I didn't realize because I, I read your last book, The Ultimate Ultimate Ex- Exodus. Yep, fascinating, Dan. I'm going to highly recommend it to you. He, you would love it. Um, you say something about the slaves. Oh, I, I know this is not. This is not brave. Now, this is. It is this brave. Is a, it is brave. It, it is, is. It's actually. about freedom. It's, it's the about. Yeah. Game. So you talk yes. about. You you had an interesting take on the the, the idea of slavery as it applied to the uh, the Israelites.
0: Yeah, because what kind of slaves own their own homes, Mm. farm, like have their own land, Mm -hmm, have their own livestock, have a representative that speaks to the king? what kind of slaves right threaten the yeah. king yes. so uh, the question is what kind of slaves were they hmm. and there's hmm. a lot of you know there's a lot of interesting facts about that but one real important like blatant one is that they start off as shepherds they still live in e- in Goshen in Egypt which is the best land in all of Egypt for shepherding hmm. but when you pick up the story and that's when they're like blessing Egypt and Egypt's yeah. blessing them so yeah. the, the story yeah. starts in blessing it doesn't start in slavery it never ever does yeah and uh, our, all of our stories, by the way, start in blessing. And yes. oppression's a middle word, not an M word and not a, an early word. But anyway, but um, they pick up the story when they're being oppressed and they're bricklayers. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, how do you go from owning? the land that's the best for shepherding, for a few generations later, now you're bricklayers Mm, and you're in oppression. And the fastest growing industry in the fastest growing empire on earth was bricklaying. So, there's a sense in which the Israelites kind of lose who they are and join into this dominant culture for Mm. most likely money uh, or wealth or privilege or status. And it's when they assimilate into that dominant culture that the oppression begins to affect them and they start Mm. calling out to God.
2: Yeah, that's is that fascinating or what? So fascinating. Yeah,
0: you know Moses, the uh, the woman uh, that rescued that g- she got free from slavery and she went back and they called her Moses. She used to say that. Harriet Tubman. That's right, Harriet Tubman. She used to say that she would have rescued thousands more if they had have known they were slaves.
2: Wow!
3: Oh, that's, which is so why there's so much longing to go back to it. Right. Because they're like, because we had all the things.
0: Well, exactly. So when they, so how many times have So why would a we preach? leave all the things? That's right. And that's why it was so painful for them, like manna. And remember when they start complaining, they're yes. like, when we were in Egypt, we but had we all the fine. This, yeah. And whenever you hear that preach, the preacher always is like, they were so delusional at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they weren't delusional. Maybe they actually did have fine food in Egypt and a lot of wealth and yeah. a lot of success. But they became so encultured to a dominant uh, culture of safety. oppression that they were slaves to it. So so then I I often say to people in this culture, you know, this is when the Sabbath becomes such a big deal. Yes. By the way. Is because who can't who can't stop working?
2: Yes. Come on.
0: Slaves can't stop working. So I often say like, okay, so you're not a slave. Okay, then stop working. And people start getting the shakes, yeah. right? They start detoxing. But I, wait, but I get email, email. Oh Yeah. The, and it's sort of like, okay, then you're a slave. Like, like, like one or the other. You're either a slave to the dominant culture, yep. and you yes. can't stop working because you can't lose the money. You can't
3: make You know, everything revolves around you. Or to the dominant idea. Yeah.
2: Right. So, yeah. Right. But this is why. This, or you're free. And this is this is when I read the book. This was the most. And this is why I thought you'd love it, Dan. This is the most fascinating part because we are slaves. Yes. Yes. We are slaves in need of Sabbath. Not not from a. In the, in the idea of we need to be reminded that we're free, right? That's why God gives them the Sabbath as a reminder. You're free now. You yeah. This is a gift for you. But we don't see it as that. We see, we see taking a rest well, well, you know, the, that's the one commandment that Christians brag about breaking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't say, hey, hey, how's your day going, Dan? Oh, fantastic. I've been stealing, been coveting. It's been yeah, really yeah. good. No, so but busy. we do say— I've been
3: checking. Oh, all these emails are coming in.
2: 24-7, man. But also, like,
0: what up, if we took what we snakes? needed for today— Yes. Like, you know, Mother Teresa asked by a skeptical reporter, how can you believe in a God who allows such poverty on the earth? And Mother Teresa says, oh, don't you go blaming poverty on God. <laughs> she says, terrible wow. poverty exists in the world simply because God's children refuse to share. Mm. Now, I mean, everyone goes, oh, it's more, more complex than that. But is it? Yeah. Is it? I mean, and in the if end, we like took if, the we, if we trained to not be yeah. excessive, compulsive, commercialized yes. what would we see? commodities... How would we live differently?
3: How could we... We would have margin to be brave. Indeed.
2: Oh, that's good, dude. We would have margin to be brave if we did that, if we, our outlook was different. I could talk for Hours. Hours. But we have to wrap this up. Uh, Danielle, thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time in the bunker, for spending, for sharing a little bit of your heart and your passion. Mm. One more word. If you're talking to all these churches around America right now through this podcast, what's that one thing you want them to do right now?
0: I want them to know that this is one of the greatest seasons of opportunity we've ever been in. And this is the moment for the church to be like Jesus in the world and the world's desperate for this to happen. And I think so is, so is God. Mm-hmm. So be brave, it's time.
2: Well, what did I tell you, Kevin? Was she not incredible?
1: I expect nothing less from Daniel Strickland at this point.
2: Did she uh, have the desired effect that I was hoping she would have on you and give you enough bravery to sing Killing Me Softly with your dad this Halloween?
1: Can we, I mean, killing me softly in Halloween, I don't, I just, it just feels, a, the idea of killing anybody <laughs> after hearing something like that just feels uncomfortable.
2: Okay, so you're going to not do it on philosophical grounds, and I appreciate that. I, I respect, I respect that. If
1: you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands.
2: <laughs> That's where we're going.
1: I was who you I <laughs> my daughter's two and a half
2: well Arden, there you go your daddy just sang for you that and is she a, loves that song a, that way. is an absolutely beautiful thing because i know that you are raising her to be a brave woman absolutely
1: as well. absolutely that is
2: such an important thing for you guys same so. for you and your girls that's the, hey that's what we're trying to do and they're I'll, women
1: they're, they're young women sorry they, they please are. Please, young, please forgive me
2: <laughs> they are young women now but yes they are absolutely incredible and i hope that they one day have the same bravery and the same passion that danielle strickland has indeed um, really hope that you've enjoyed this episode if you did I would love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and just leave a review and a rating for this entire podcast we say that every week but it is super important Kevin I want you to thumbnail again why is it important that they do that
1: well first of all we want this podcast to get in front of other leaders. We have people ask us, hey, how can I support the podcast? We can share with friends. You can leave a rating or review because people trust your opinion over ours. Yeah. They don't think we're biased. I mean, I am biased. Yeah. right? But the reality <laughs> is I want, we want people to know this podcast has something for them and your opinion matters. More importantly, totally. we also want your feedback. Yeah. We want to know how we can improve the show. Now, I don't want to give a caveat, but my dad once told me, if you have nothing positive to say, don't say it at all. But we are going to have an exception to that rule. Yeah. Because we actually want your feedback. So if there's something we can do to improve, yeah. if there's a person we should reach out to about an interview, yeah. uh, please let us know how we can make this show great. We, we've designed it. We only care about this podcast serving you and your ministry.
2: Yeah, so please let us know in a review on uh, Apple iTunes. That would be fantastic. We do read them. So if you've got any suggestions, as Kevin said, make sure you do that. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And Kevin, we also do show notes. A lot of people might not even be aware that we do that, but the show notes are such an important part of this podcast. In fact, I would go as far to say that if you all you do is listen to this podcast and you don't check out the show notes, you're only getting maybe 56. Sixty percent of the podcast experience.
1: I could not agree more. And I'm. in P.S. This is me saying I'm on the soapbox. I'm, I'm, I'm so, guys. I'm just. I just got on my soapbox. You can't see me, but I'm here. <laughs> all right. And I want to uh, you to know these. The show notes really do rock. Um. I want to thank Steph Whitaker. She is an incredible ministry leader who actually writes our show notes. A part mm. of our team. She actually is also co-author on a book called The Volunteer Project: Stop Recruiting, Start Retaining. Wow. That's a message all by itself. Um, oh and, yeah. But she knows what she's talking about, and she she works really hard to say what that I as a ministry leader need to understand or what did I as a ministry leader get out of this experience that I can share with everyone else. Yeah. And we work our tails off that is not, a, that's that we work our tails off to make sure that you don't have to worry about even taking notes. Yeah. We yeah, need yeah, to the podcast. Yeah. If you are willing to go to thinkorangepodcast.com, every episode, we have timestamps. So if you hear something you want to get back to quickly, you get right to it. Yeah. We have... Key quotes from the episode. And my favorite part is this conversation starters. Yeah. Right. So we have questions that go with every episode that can help you and your team start to have a dialogue about the conversation. So let's just say you want to get your boss on the same page about something <laughs> and you don't want to <laughs> deliver the message. Have Richie Joyner do it. Yeah. <laughs> Play the podcast and say, Hey, I want to have a conversation with you. What What? can I ask you a couple questions? Then completely steal the questions and ask. <laughs> right. Like, like, which we really want you to be able to activate these ideas and then help. Have happens by you leveraging the influence and the ideas and experiences of the people on this podcast and putting them in front of your team.
2: Yeah, those discussion starters are absolutely amazing. And if you want to go and have that conversation with your boss about what Reggie Joyner says, as Kevin said, the whole thing is time stamped with a little summary. So if you just want to skip everything that we talked about at the start of the show, you can skip that. And jump straight to the part of the podcast where Danielle said something extremely wise and valuable.
1: I mean, exactly. I mean, if your if your boss doesn't want to hear me sing, if you're happy and you know it, <laughs> then they can skip around. I don't know why they want to do that. Or if you whatever. just
2: want to hear Kevin sing, if you're happy and you know it, that will be time stamped in the show notes. So make sure you check them out. Uh, what's the website again?
1: Think. Orangepodcast.com.
2: It's that simple. Think Thinkorangepodcast.com. The easiest way to remember that is that you are currently listening to the Think Orange podcast just at a .com. Hey, and while you're doing all of that stuff, as we always say, Kevin, I want you to join me. I want you to do it in a falsetto voice like you, as you did at the top of the I'm show ready, when I'm you ready, say, I'm ready. when you think next generation,
1: think, think orange. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange Podcast.
0: Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.